Welcome to a learntolearn.org podcast. We are here to support your learning, taking off the limits that we have accrued to our learning and adding in those ingredients that we've learned from world-class learners that have made them the best so that we can each update our own programming and become the best learners that we can be. We're really glad that you're here to share some time with us. We hope that this brings you exactly what you need today to better engage in your life and your learning. One of the more common things that we see with learning and going for success, going for all that we can be, is the underlying fear of being hurt. And that hurt is imagined to be the result of, what if I really try and I can't get there? What if I fail? What if I put myself really into learning something and I fail the test, I fail to learn it well, I'm not that good at it. What if I really throw myself into the future that I imagine and I do everything I can to get there and I fall short? That leads to self-judgment. That hurts. Then there's the part of hurt when somebody else judges us, when somebody else pulls away, rejects us, says that we're not good enough. That can take the form of getting a bad grade on a test or you know teachers responding negatively or classmates viewing us poorly because of how we did or it can also of course take all the forms of personal interactions with other people and all the ways that we get hurt there and that potential for getting hurt often keeps us from even trying it's like thinking about being in a relationship with somebody, we, we want to ask them out, and yet we're concerned that they may say no, which will feel like rejection, which leads to feeling hurt, feeling less than, and so we just don't even act. The same thing happens with we're going to take a class, but we know it's going to be a little hard for us, and we might not do well, we might not look good, and then we'll feel hurt, so we don't even take it. Or there's the whole project we want to take on that if it goes well, we could be really successful, but we could also fail so we don't do it because we don't want that kind of hurt. What do we do about all of this? Is there a way to manage this? Is there a way to insulate ourselves from getting hurt or prepare ourselves or be able to handle it better? Let's take this even further. Another way to say this is we become afraid that something's going to go wrong. And when something goes wrong, we make up something about that. We end up feeling badly about it. We feel badly about ourselves. That's what we're talking about when we talk about feeling hurt. Certainly, we want to minimize the chances of things going wrong. If we apply so much else of what we've covered in other podcasts, we will minimize the likelihood that things will go wrong. 
if we've applied the things we've talked about, about thinking more clearly, we're going to have made better decisions. If our beliefs are in order, our identities are in order, our attitude is sufficient, our focus is clear, all those things that we've been covering for some time now, we're more and more going to make the decisions that lead to good outcomes, and we're going to be much less likely to do things that end up going badly. We're much less likely to be hurt. But it's still possible. So what do we do about this? How do we handle this? Let's take a big view first and then work our way through this. We need to talk about a whole other class of phenomena that happens in human beings. You know, we've talked about beliefs and values and attitudes and so on. One of the things we haven't talked about yet is human beings have a strong tendency to make vows. And often we don't even notice them. So certainly we have vows like a marriage vow or a commitment to some ideal or somebody or some circumstance. We're familiar with those vows. And if we think about those vows, the nature of a vow, it is a 100% commitment to an outcome. Beliefs are a little different. Beliefs say, if this happens, then you should do this, or I am that. But it's not a commitment per se. A vow is a commitment. It says, regardless of what happens, this is what I vow to do or how I vow to be. Once we've made a vow, we're all in. We're good for whatever it is, no matter what happens, for the most part. I mean, certainly people get divorced and certainly people break their vows. On the face of it, vows say 100%. This is what's happening. So, how does that apply to what we're talking about here? Well, so often we will say, never going to have that happen again. And that's a vow. Our unconscious takes that as a vow. If I say to myself, I am never going to take that chance again, I'm never going to do that again, I'm never going to get hurt again, there's a part of us that takes that as a firm commitment and does everything it can to help us avoid that. Whatever that outcome is, whatever it is that we've vowed, so this is a negative commitment. I'm not going to let this happen, experience this other thing, be like this, whatever it is. So we can make vows on either side of this, positive or negative. We think of an example of a fellow that we knew who had been really badly hurt in a relationship and was suffering for a long time afterwards with the loss, the disappointment, and all that went with that. And he had vowed never to let that happen again, never to be hurt in that way. And it was very difficult, is not even strong enough. It was impossible for him to fully enter into a relationship again. We watched him try and try, good intentions, wanted to do it, and would put himself in a relationship and try and give himself over fully to engaging in that relationship, but never would. 
and couldn't figure out why until we discovered the underlying vow that he had made, I'm never going to be hurt again. Well, we do the same thing with learning. You know, I'm no good at math. I'm never doing that again. Or I'm just not good at reading. I'm not doing that anymore. Or I'm never going to be vulnerable in the classroom again. I'm never going to get up and speak in front of other people again. Or on and on. And we make those in the moment, in the heat of the moment, with all that angst behind it, all that charge behind it. And again, our unconscious just takes that as the gospel. That's how it's going to be now. And we go on as though that was just a moment in time and it's past. We treat it like it was just a passing thing. And we don't realize how much the rest of us was listening, paying attention, how much our unconscious goes, okay, I got it. We're never going to have that happen again. And it's all in. Then we wonder later on why we're encountering resistance. We're trying to apply ourselves to math again or to speaking in front of the class or taking on a project at work that we had previously felt embarrassed around. Whatever it is, we run into that resistance and we're mystified by it. But there's this vow sitting in the background. Never going to do that again. Never going to be hurt again. Of course, we want to point out that there are people that make positive vows very much to their benefit I will succeed. I will do this. I will learn this. I will become this. These are not necessarily vows to others. Oftentimes, for the most part, they're vows to ourselves about what we will accomplish, what we will become. Those carry people a long, long way. And they are equally powerful. But when they're turned against us, when they've gone negative, unintentionally, we have to go back and revise those. How do we do that? How do we even recognize that there is a limiting vow in operation? We've already begun speaking to that. When we find that we're trying to get an outcome, we're trying to engage in a way we're trying to become something, and there is something that just holds us back. There is a ball and chain. There is something that makes no clear sense. There's not a belief in the way. There's not a distorted value in the way, whatever. We can begin to suspect there's a vow. How do we know what that vow is? Well, a lot of times, it becomes obvious as soon as we start to think in terms of, I wonder if there's a vow. Oh, I bet it's this. And it'll just come to us. But sometimes it doesn't. If it doesn't, one of the ways to come at that, to ferret that out, is just to ask ourselves, well, if there were a vow, what would it be? What would it have to be to have this kind of an effect? We just sort of puzzle over that. 
Sometimes, just asking that, it'll start to come. Sometimes we have to sit with it for a couple days or more, just wondering, what kind of vow would I have had to have made to myself to be behaving like this, thinking like this, perceiving like this? And then it'll start to emerge. When it does, write it down. So often we talk to people that said, you know, I got it. And I was like, it's so clear to me. I will never forget this. And a couple hours later, they couldn't remember what it was at all. It just dropped right back into the unconscious, and the unconscious started protecting it again. So write it down. Make sure that you've got it. There have been times where even that didn't get it, and people have had to go, well, if somebody else had this going on in them, what would they have had to vow? And sometimes just by externalizing it that way, imagining what would the process be in someone else, our unconscious then exposes it. Because part of the unconscious's job in certain circumstances is to keep things out of conscious attention. That's why they drop into the unconscious. Another way to come at discovering what the vow might be is to think back through our lives to times where we were typically under a lot of duress and ask ourselves, what would I have felt there, maybe concluded there, that at the time seemed reasonable, at the time made sense, given the pressures that I was dealing with, given the state that I was in, and check and see if that may lead to the vow that's hanging us up now. Let's look at one more way to get to that vow. If we take the current frustration that we're probably feeling because we're not getting the outcomes that we want, and we sort of step inside the feeling that we have in that frustration, in that limitation, and we just follow it back in time. It's almost as though that feeling is a vehicle that if we ask for it, if we allow it, if we imagine it, it will take us back to when that pattern started. And when we get there, we can kind of pause and sense and notice, what did I come up with then? What did I tell myself? What position did I take? What vow did I make? When we approach changing this vow, there are a few things we want to keep in mind. The first is that most of these limiting vows were made under duress. We weren't in the best state of mind. We were likely upset, impacted by whatever was going on around us. We were not in a logical frame of mind. We were much more likely reactive, emotional, and maybe even defensive. So the decision we made, the vow that we made, of course, is going to reflect that. And that's not a knock on us. That's normal for that type of situation. It's almost like we were being squeezed by the circumstances and out pops this reaction. I'm never going to 
this again, I'm never going to that again, I'm only ever going to whatever, oh, I'm approaching things this way from now on. And out that pops. So no judgment of ourselves about that. It's just a recognition that this is what happened, and here's the vow that we sense probably came out. Now, don't worry about if you got it exactly right. That's just another judgment that we put on ourselves that we have to be perfect, that if we don't, things aren't going to work out for us. We want to then think back on that whole of that circumstance and what we were responding to. And we want to think about it now from that bigger view. We've learned a lot since then. We've seen how that particular vow works for us or doesn't. Now, from this bigger view, we want to reconsider what would have been a better response to those circumstances. If I were going to make a vow, what vow would that be? What would really make sense? What would the ideal be? So let's use the example again, just to illustrate this, of the person that we know that was really badly hurt in a relationship and ended up vowing, I'm never going to be hurt again. It's pretty obvious that no matter what we do here in life as human beings, we're going to be hurt. It's just a part of how things work here. We'd rather it not be that way, but that's going to happen. We want to minimize it. We want to make better decisions so it happens less. But good chance we're going to be hurt here and there. So a much better vow, one that this fellow came to, is I vow to learn how to heal hurt, how to handle hurt, how to move through hurt and gain from it and get to a better life through that. So that's a wordy way to say it, but to illustrate the whole of what was wrapped up in the new vow, that pretty much covers it. I'm going to learn how to deal with hurt. That's a strong, powerful, useful vow. And if we commit to that completely, we will get to the place where we've learned what we need to so that we can approach life in a very different way. And when things don't go right, when things don't go the way we think they should, we can move through them gracefully. If our vow was more something like, I vow not to participate in school anymore, I vow to give up, we can understand how we got to that. But a much better vow is vowing to find a way to learn to do better. The very kinds of things we cover in this podcast, all the different aspects of it. I vow to become a good learner no matter what it takes. So once we've come to a new vow that when we try it on in current life, we can see that it has a lot of advantages, that it will lead us to where we want to be in our life. It'll get us to the outcomes that we've been hoping for. Then what do we do? 
Well, that next step is we go back to that earliest time, back to that time where we originally made the vow. And first we sort of stand outside ourselves. We look at that younger self and we, if you will, impart to that younger self the new vow, the new perspective, the resources to understand that and the support to deal with what was going on at that time in such a way that it makes it easy for that younger us to come to a different perspective, to arrive at this much better vow. Now, again, some people would say, well, you're just imagining things. We mention this because we've heard it so many times. Yes, we are imagining. What in our life have we done that we haven't imagined first? Have we even been able to get to the store without imagining going there before we go? This particular way of approaching it, we're imagining standing outside of that younger self and imparting a different perspective at a deeper level is we are taking one part of the brain that has the resources necessary to make change and using the device of that younger self as a way to reach that deeper part of the brain where that other perspective response reaction is held. So we're, in a sense, engaging pathways from one part of our brain where the resources are to another part of the brain where the resources are needed. And as we're imagining giving those to that younger self, we're imparting those resources along that new connection, that new pathway to that older part of the brain. So that's the first step when we're imparting this. The next one is once we have a sense of that younger self has really arrived at this new understanding, this new perspective, this new vow, we step back into that younger self and we experience it directly. We experience that change. We experience that change in perspective and all that goes with that. And then with that, being in ourselves at that time, we walk back through our life up to present day, and then we take it into the future to notice how that's going to impact how we engage in the future. We call this future pacing. It it sets the brain up so that it's ready to implement this new perspective as we go forward. Just a quick helpful tip. If we're going back to an early time in our life when we were young and little, it's very hard to kind of step into a small body back then. Make that that young you as big as you need to to be able to step into it easily. And everything else in your life will expand accordingly and in proportion. And then come back through your life. We found that this makes it much easier for many, many people. So having done this, we're going to start to notice a change. Often, as we've said in other podcasts where we've used a similar technique, we often have to come back through several times for this change to be fully integrated, for it to be taken into all the 
highways and byways, if you will, all the different aspects of what was affected by this perspective and this vow, and to make it a readily accessed, easily accessed part of ourselves. This process, for some, takes a little bit of exploring, a little bit of willingness to play with it, stick to it until it really clicks, falls in place, lines up, makes sense for you. It is so worth it. We've seen such tremendous changes with this approach to recognizing vows and overcoming that reluctance to try new things, to potentially be hurt, to have things go wrong. This gives us the framework to go forward in a very engaged, dynamic, resourceful way. People often have a number of vows that have limited their learning, that have limited their success. Working through these gives us a new found sense of freedom and capacity to live our lives and to live our learning in the way that we've always wanted to. Thank you for listening. Our purpose is supporting your capacity to learn and to attain all that you can imagine. We hope you use the perspectives and exercises that we have shared. Feel free to send us questions, ideas, experiences that might benefit our listeners via learntolearn.org, L-E-A-R-N-T-O-L-E-A-R-N.org. Finally, please help others by sharing our link with your friends, family, and other loved ones, since how you learn is how you live.